You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, cranial cronies craving for crack-ups. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 67 and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your bunch of brainy buzzer beholders. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. Just a quick note to start off the show. Obviously, I'm sure all of us fall down the wiki hole a lot. Mm-hmm. And just two nights ago, I fell down a YouTube hole, a wiki hole and YouTube hole together. <laughs> Sometimes they're companions, right, to each other. Best in Show, the Christopher Guest movie, yes. was on TV. And then so I was like, I need to know about all of the winners of Best in Show from the, you know, the well, in real life, the Westminster Kennel Club mm-hmm. shock show. Mm-hmm. So then I decided, okay, I read all the winners and I was like, <laughs> now I need to watch all of the winning clips when they announce oh, the Best in Show. Wow. And I went year by year backwards. You know, I like to see the reaction, the crowd reaction. <laughs> Obviously, my favorite one is Uno the Beagle, with the first Beagle that won Best in oh. Show. That was a big deal. Because, you know, like <laughs> Beagles are like America's dog and just the crowd went wild. <laughs> and then it's so funny because <laughs> I was just in your bathroom, Colin, and... <laughs> You had an issue of Mental Floss, the the trivia magazine. I do. And there's a little dog section in the most recent issue. So I want to ask you guys a quick question. And this may show up uh, in trivia. I feel like it's a good pub trivia question. What breed of dog has won best in show the most number of times? Mm. Poodle? French poodle? Incorrect. Oh, are you going to buzz? You're, you're ready to buzz, Chris. I, if I, well, I'm ready to buzz if inspiration were to strike me <laughs> okay. to think of something. Just in case. How many years has it been around? First of all, it's like over 100 years old or something. Yeah, right? the first the first winning dog, Best in Show, dates back to 1907. <laughs> it was actually okay. a dire wolf. That's how far back it goes. <laughs> Number one winner, according to Breed, is the Wire Fox Terrier. Wow. 13 times. Hmm. Number two. It's almost like Family Feud. Maybe it's like the Mafia or something. <laughs> yeah, that dog. oh. that dog's They pull connected. strings. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a terrible mob dog pun. What is it? Go on. La Cosa Nostra. Uh, that's dumb. It's so bad. But that can apply to so many other animals. I know. They, have they all have noses. That's why. We'll workshop that for okay. now. So, yeah. <laughs> give, me, give me a few yeah. more minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bonesa Nostra. Look, something, something. Bonestra. Makosa Bonestra. Bonestra. <laughs> that, that sounds weird. Weird. Number two, a uh, dog breed that has won the most number of times is of the Scottish Terrier uh, breed. The Scotty. Oh, Scotty dog. Monopoly dog. Who, what was the breed of the dog that won in the movie Best in Show? It was a terrier. Norwich Terrier. Norwich Terrier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, Norwich... Thank you for having that immediately to yeah, end. Exactly. <laughs> I found a clip of a Norwich Terrier actually winning uh-huh. the Westminster. In the movie, it's Mayflower Kennel yeah. Club. There was a Norwich Terrier that won. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, wondering like, oh, if it was connected, if mm-hmm. it was inspired. So there you go. If that comes up in pub trivia... The answer is wire fox terrier huh. 13 times. Mm. Wow. Our dog is a mutt and thus could not compete in, I know. in such a uh, <laughs> he's a chewiner. A chihuahua dachshund. I believe this weekend at Golden Gate Fields not too far from here they're having the Wiener Nationals which they do once a year. <laughs> do they which, dress the dog like hot dogs? It's little wiener dog races. I don't think uh-huh. they dress them like hot dogs. Cuz there's no. some races where they put them in a hot dog costume. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, that's, just a, well, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, just, <laughs> all this stuff we've far. been talking about so far has been <laughs> That's how wiener dog too fine. far. <laughs> all right. Without further ado, let's jump into our first general trivia segment. Pop quiz, Hotshot. That's my voice a little bit there. You guys have your buzzers ready. Here we go. Blue Wedge for geography. In what state is Acadia National Park? Acadia must be a is it clue. Al- Alaska? Uh uh-uh. uh. Hmm. Oh, because I have no idea. Hmm. Maybe it was. I hope it's not out. California. <laughs> no, it is not. It is Maine. Huh. It has to be famous somehow. I think it may have it's been. It's like a Stephen King. Stephen King, book King or something. something, yeah. Mm. All right. Pink Wedge, name three, just three <laughs> of the six characters in The Village People. Uh, uh, um, police officer. Uh-huh. Ding 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 ding. Native American <laughs> ding, ding, slash ding, ding, American ding. Indian. Uh, construction worker. Ding 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 yeah. ding ding. All right. All right. Biker biker guy. Ding 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 ding. And was there a military person? Military? A soldier. Soldier. There you go. Last then, one. Um. Uh, did we yeah. say we said cop? Did we say cop? We said cop. Construction worker. You said I'm a cow- oh, oh, uh, cowboy. 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 Yes, oh. Of course. Very good. I like nice. how you can name all six, but uh, no idea where Acadia National Park is. Yeah, I don't even know who's president right now. Priorities, yeah. Priorities. All right, Yellow Wedge. What was the nickname for a woman who took on a traditionally male job during World War II? Oh, was it a Rosie? Like Rosie the Riveter? Yes, Rosie the Riveter. Oh, really? They just okay. called him Rosie the Riveter? I just thought that was the character. Yeah, yeah. it is. Not but like a term for it. Got everybody. applied generally. Interesting. Okay. Huh. All right, Purple Wedge. What group performed the 1994 hit Cotton Eye Joe, which became popular at wedding receptions and sporting oh. events? Darn it. I had that album. I what was it? Know. too? Um, they had like one other hit song, but it was, oh. Mm, was it Rednecks? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Rednecks. With an X at the end. Yes. yes. I was just going to say, it's edgy. Well, it was yeah. the 90s. Yeah. It was. <laughs> uh, rednecks are actually from Sweden. Of course. Yeah. Infectious pop music. All right. Green Wedge for science. Which snake does not kill by constriction? Multiple <laughs> choice. Okay. Anaconda, uh-huh. python, mm-hmm. or water moccasin? <laughs> I feel like it's the water moccasin. Yes, yeah. water okay. moccasin. That'd be hard snake. to constrict you yeah. when you're in the water. <laughs> oh, that's true. You'd slip right out. Those are those are <laughs> venomous, right? Like I they be- bite. I you. believe so. Yes, yes. it has yeah. a venomous bite. All Don't right. go in the water or oh. or engage nature that's at right. all. Don't go outside that's at the, all. Yeah. The <laughs> overriding if we've learned anything. lesson of good <laughs> yeah. job brain. Don't go Nature's out to get you. Stay <laughs> Just watch TV, <laughs> especially if you live in Australia. Yeah. Oh man. Last question, Orange Wedge. How many times did Michael Jordan retire from the NBA? (laughs) (laughs) I believe it was three times. Correct. Can you name all three years? Uh, Let's see. Really quickly, let's see. It was before the 94 season. It was again after the 96 season. And then again, I want to say 2003, 2004. Why don't you just give me the years? All right. Uh, uh, retired in 1993. Okay, right. 1999. Oh, okay. And then 2003. Okay. Oh. Very good job. I only quit playing basketball once. <laughs> that was it's it. Stuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So this week, we want to talk about medicine, but not just general medicine. We want not, to Not the go, kind that helps you. No, not the <laughs> kind that helps you. We actually kind of want to go into, uh, maybe veer into the territory, wacky medicine, perhaps, offbeat. Or wacky medicine. <laughs> wacky medicine. This week, we're talking about bad medicine. All right, so to kick things off, so I feel like if we're going to talk about bad medicine, we have to talk about quacks. Do you guys know what a quack mm. is? What a sound duck makes. Yeah, just like, <laughs> like, like, like an incompetent doctor, right? An yeah. inco- yes, an incompetent. Doctor. Somebody oh. who pretends to have medical yeah. skills. Yeah, yeah. I am unfamiliar with this term. Oh, okay. I just thought quack was a crazy person. Like, oh, that guy's a loon. That guy's a quack. Mm. Oh, I can I see that. I didn't know it was like a specific uh, doctor. There's a doctor term. It tends to specifically be applied be to people who pretend that, uh, you that know. they have some kind of skill that, that they don't have. That they're going to heal you. Yeah. Right. But it usually has to do with medicine specifically. It comes from the Dutch word quacksolver. Sorry, I don't I don't know Dutch, so I'm probably not pronouncing it quite right, but it had to do with somebody who was hawking salve at the market. So they'd shout out that they're selling some kind of medical ointment. So the word quack in Dutch, in old Dutch, means to hawk something or sell something loudly. So it became like, oh, you're wow, selling. That's actually a really good coincidence because it sounds kooky. It sounds <laughs> yeah. weird, yeah. you know? So quacks might sell snake oil to you. Mm. And you know what snake oil That's a fake medicine. Yeah. Okay. Well, I metaphorically, know it's now used just to mean all fake medicine or mm-hmm. really just like you know you can say a business person is selling you snake oil if they're kind of like using smoke and mirrors and they're selling you a product that's not really going to do what it yeah any, yeah anything that doesn't do what it's purported to do yeah <laughs> uh, you guys are opening a whole new world to me i don't oh. know any of these english things. language idioms so would you yeah. say like the weird diet drugs they sell on infomercial would would you count that as snake oil snake oil I, probably. I think a lot of them. Yeah, 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 probably, yes. Okay. Or there are a lot of theories about where that term came from. Some people said, oh, when the Chinese immigrants came, they would use snake oil on different injuries. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's where it came from. Or there was some ointment that came from Seneca, New York, and it was Seneca oil and it became mm-hmm. snake oil, which mm-hmm. mm, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe not. But then there was actually a case of Clark Stanley snake oil. He was a guy who sold something called snake oil. You could put it on your back. You could put it on your sore tooth. Yeah, there actually are yeah. like pictures of bottles out there of, of snake, oil. snake oil. Yeah. And so he was this the king of rattlesnakes and he was just, <laughs> it was supposed to have extract of snake rattlesnakes in it and it was going to cure you and numb you and the US government did a study of it Uh-oh. they they analyzed it and it had like mineral oil turpentine <gasps> beef fat and red chili peppers <laughs> yeah. in it basically and camp so no snake no snake no, no oh, snake no, what i meant is it's for oiling up your snakes <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> keep your snakes keep, keep your snakes right. lubricated Shining. so they can't so they can't constrict you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so you'd slip <laughs> So in my research, I found out that when they busted him on this, on it not having any um, actual snake in it, they fined him 20 whole dollars. for, <laughs> <Only>? for <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then after that, the term snake oil kind of came into usage, popular yeah. usage, as being a fake right. tonic. Mm-hmm. Well, Tiger Bomb doesn't have tiger in it. Yeah, but it wasn't represented as having tiger in it. Yeah. Baby <laughs> oil has very little baby. <laughs> yeah. These days. Yeah, these days. These days. Yeah, extremely. Day. It's a lot of baby yeah. Yeah. It's like Coca-Cola. <laughs> right, yeah. There's just a little bit of cocaine. Yeah. So a little bit of baby in the baby oil. Yeah. But not nearly it's what it used negligible. to be. Yeah. Yeah, Trace. Yeah, yeah. Trace amounts of baby. Yeah. 
So that was called a patent medicine. It's just basically a tonic or an elixir or something that people claim takes care of your ailments, whatever they may be. And there's this mm-hmm. kind of famous one that emerged during Prohibition. It was created before Prohibition, but it really became popular during Prohibition called um, Jamaica Ginger or Jake. You might have heard that. People mm. drinking Jake during the Prohibition when I've they weren't allowed to. Like blues songs from. and things like that. And it comes up in blues songs yeah. for very good reason, actually. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> Jamaica Ginger is ginger extra but in order to break down the ginger, they put it in 70 to 80% per volume alcohol. So it's, it will get you drunk if you drink a lot of it. Mm. And they were selling it as a medicine. So it's not against the law. And you can drink this. But the government, the U.S. Treasury Department caught on to this. And they were like, wait a, wait a minute. And so they required that you put in a lot more ginger, a lot more ginger solid into it. And it made it basically undrinkable at a big ah. dose. Mm. You, couldn't, then, you couldn't drink enough to get drunk, you mean? Well, it, yeah, it would be very hard because <laughs> ginger is potent. And it, yeah. you can... So you can drink a lot of it, but you can't feel your mouth. So to get around that, bootleggers, (laughs) they're like, all right, well, it needs to have this much solid in it. And so they they tried putting different things in it, like molasses or castor oil or that kind of thing to thicken it up. So if you boiled off all the alcohol, what's left is the solid. And they had to get to a certain percentage, basically. This big distributor of of Jake figured out, oh, I could put in this this plasticine, this ingredient that gets used in varnishes and industrial cleaners, and it was supposed to be non-toxic, and it doesn't have like a strong flavor, and it boils down nicely. Like so the Treasury Department won't their alarm bells won't start going off. So they put it in there, and this Jake was really popular, and a lot of people drank it. And then there started to be this thing called Jake Leg or Jake Walk. <laughs> and they figured oh, no. out that it wasn't non-toxic at all. That it no. actually would like give you nerve damage and oh, you'd start losing no. fe- like yeah. feelings in your fingers and your toes oh, and your extremities. I saw some reports that said 30,000 to 50,000 people got nerve damage from this. And then I saw another thing that said 100,000 people got damaged. Apparently, he had enough ingredients to make 500,000 bottles of it. And there were stories about like a women's bridge group that they all got it. And they the trick with this and why they couldn't track it down and it went on for, for years was because people felt embarrassed or they didn't want to say mm, why they were getting sick. Yeah, right. And so they'd yep. say, oh, I had a stroke or oh, like... <laughs> like not, they, like, not, oh, I've been ODing on... Uh, yeah, on- oh, We've been spiking the punch with ginger alcohol with Jake. And so there's all sorts of blues songs about having having Jake legs. I think I always just thought that Jake just meant like moonshine. I had no idea. It's a very specific type of kind of moonshine. Although they didn't brew it in bathtubs or anything like that. It was actually distributed as a medicine. Which makes you think it's more credible and and legit, you know? So I found a blues song about Jake. Once I really understood what it was about, it was like, this song is sad. It's really bluesy. So we'll play a little bit for you guys. I can't eat, I can't talk, I've been a-drinking this jig until now I can't walk. Come here, mama, hold me by the hand, I'm a jig ball papa from a jig ball plant. There you go. That's a flavor. It's called Jake Walk Papa by Asa Martin. So they linked it. They figured it out, but they weren't, they weren't even able to get a full understanding of what happened until the seventies because of the stigma from prohibition and Uh. and not being able to talk about what, why people might be sick and and being able to like really research. And it also affected poor people and immigrants and people in the South. And it's supposed to cure you. We sit here and we laugh at this stuff, but then like, you know, our grandchildren are going to be thinking back like, Oh my God, can you? 
you believe that people actually drank Capri Sun? <laughs> no. Yeah, ecto cooler my butt. They're gonna be like, gonna be like 150 years old. I can't believe they actually drank that stuff. When you have, uh, you know, it's the 1800s, and you've got your um, crazy non-medicine that you've just mixed up out of a bunch of random things you found around lying on the ground. It's like liquid sausage, you know, liquid mystery meat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, well, how do you get it out there to people? There's no television to advertise on and things of that nature. So you have a good old-fashioned medicine show yeah. for your patent medicine. You know, I mean, it's, it's it's just like the stereotype in American culture of Dr. Feelgood or Dr. Goodtime or Dr. John <laughs> going around on the covered wagon and, you know, jumping out in the middle of the town square and delivering a stem-winding speech about the benefits of this medicine and, you know, reading testimonials and things of that nature and selling it and then getting in the wagon and getting out of town before anybody realizes anything <laughs> is amiss. So they're um, con men. Well, yes. <laughs> so, let me read you. This is a this is a great this is a great old description of a classic old medicine. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So um a valuable brain tonic and a cure for all nervous affections. Sick headache, neuralgia, hysteria, melancholy, etc. <laughs> Does anybody want to venture a guess as to what medicine this is describing? This is oh. an old newspaper ad. Al- uh, Alka-Seltzer. Not Alka-Seltzer. Heroin. No. Is it actually like a good medicine <laughs> That's or actually not a bad, bad guess. <laughs> it didn't do anything bad to you. Dr. Pepper. It's actually Coca-Cola. Oh. It's an old ad for Coca-Cola. <laughs> it goes nice. on. The valuable tonic and nerve stimulant properties of the coca plant and the cola nuts. Oh, it did have yes. coca stimulant yeah. in yeah. it, though. Exactly. Yeah. And then, then down below it says, invigorating with consumed with a sandwich of hamburg steak and fried root of the potato plant. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> okay, that, that part that part, is, that part is a lot when i was talking to my fiance regina about doing medicine shows I had, she had the exact same reaction that karen and dana both did which was like oh you're going to talk about er and house <laughs> yes, and Grey's anatomy ER. <laughs> i do love er no i'm talking about the the companies that were established around you know traveling around doing old-timey medicine show well, at the time it was contemporary medicine <laughs> um and karen you're really gonna love this uh what I, this kept coming up in my in my research the the most well-known most famous brand of these patent medicines medicine shows was called the i swear to you the kickapoo indian medicine company (laughs) kickapoo indian now the kickapoo indians there were there was actually a kickapoo indian tribe the kickapoo indian medicine company had nothing whatsoever (laughs) to do with the actual indian tribe uh they were a company that was established in connecticut and basically they had come up with what they called Kickapoo Indian Sagwa. It was a salve. It was a mm-hmm. salve, an ointment to rub anywhere and cure anything. <laughs> and it actually, this is the early, early 1900s. It had one of the earliest celebrity endorsements oh. um, of any product anywhere. It was not the earliest, but it was super early. Buffalo Bill Cody himself, oh, a nice. uh, famous Wild West showman, said... Kickapoo Indian Sagwa is the only remedy the Indians ever use and has been known to them for ages. An Indian would as soon be without his horse, gun, or blanket as without Sagwa. (laughs) No American Indian, Native American tribes has ever, ever heard of it. But they would hire Native Americans Uh or people to dress as Native Americans to ride around on the wagon. 
uh-huh. and stand there and look very solemn, right? And, right. And nod, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, as the pitch man was was False giving his, was giving his speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. there it must, be, it must be true. The guy's standing right yeah. there. Yeah. There there wasn't a whole lot of legal regulations about like you know saying what drugs can do. So one of the other things that I found was uh, one of their popular products was called Kickapoo Indian Worm Killer. And they take out newspaper ads saying, parents, does your child suffer from whatever made up disease? You know, then he probably has worms. (laughs) Yes, worms are infesting your child. But if you give him the Kickapoo Indian worm killer, the worms will be expelled from the body. And a couple of sources would say that what was in these pills that they would take would be worms. Yeah. So basically, some of these would contain like a laxative. And they they would contain a really 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 tightly wound ball of string. <laughs> okay. So like okay. you would very very quickly poop a string, <laughs> which you would you would not want to look too closely at it. And you'd be like, oh, I had a tapeworm, yeah. and a okay. tapeworm in my stomach. Right. I'm glad it was a string and not worms. Yeah. Like right, not actual worms. not actual worms, no, <laughs> okay. but, but string. I would like to say something in defense, or at least in partial defense, of snake oil and and these and sagba sure. and things of that nature. Uh, they are at least harmless. They are mixtures of ordinary sort of herbs and oils and things that don't do anything to you. It, it, there's a placebo effect. Sure. You, you think you're going to get better. Sure. This is proven. You you know some people will actually get better. Okay, maybe they're being faked into thinking that, but at least it's not doing anything bad to you. And remember. A century or two ago, if you decided to not go to the the medicine show and went to an actual doctor, that actual doctor might more likely than not give you a bunch of straight up poison to drink. Um, mm-hmm. one of, in pre Civil War America, one of the really popular medications that I was reading about is called calomel. It had been used for centuries. That uh, sounds nice. Par- Paracelsus, yeah. the the Renaissance era physician, had been a devotee of this. So, so centuries. And and even in you know early America, they were still giving people calomel. Hmm. You should drink calomel for all your problems. Okay, great. What's calomel? Oh, it's uh, mercury chloride. No. Oh. So people are just chugging down mercury for anything. People are using it as a preventative. Women were baking it into breads <gasps> because even if you weren't sick, oh, we'll just put the calomel <laughs> yeah. in the bread to prevent us from getting sick. Oh. And you'd lose your hair Shiny and you'd bread. lose your teeth. <laughs> This is a quote from American physician John Warren in 1813, who, excuse me, not a quote, but a, a paraphrase, who said, basically, look, if you want to counter violent fevers, you have to use violent drugs. <laughs> so, like, they knew it was doing bad things to them, but they were like, well, clearly it's working really hard to get everything up. There was a yellow fever outbreak in Philadelphia in the late 1700s, and uh, calomel was basically what was prescribed for everybody. So, and calomel would start, you know, the mercury would start making you, like, salivate a lot. Then you'd mm. vomit, and you'd be vomiting black stuff, and they'd be like, "Oh, you're purging the black all the bad bile. Bile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, no, you have yellow fever, and now you also have mercury poisoning. That didn't go so well. Eventually, they got yeah. rid of that. Now, what was considered to be the last of the great medicine shows in America was a product called Hadacol, and this was <laughs> called Hadacol, and it was very popular in the 1940s and 1950s. This is a fascinating story. Buckle up. Okay. Okay. Hadakal was the brainchild of a of a sitting United States senator named Dudley J. LeBlanc. A doctor had given him B vitamins, and he was like, actual medicine. And he was <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. oh, I feel really good. I'm going to bottle, you know, B vitamins and sell them as medicine. 
and he had the Hattacall Goodwill Caravan. This was the this was the traveling show, and this was huge. They would tour the American South, and they would bring in thousands of people. There was one report I saw that said they would have like 10,000, 12,000 people go to one of these things. Whoa. The admission to the show was two Hattacall box tops, <laughs> one for children. If you imagine that they, to even get in here, they had to buy the product in the first place just to go and get the product sold to them, basically. And he would have Judy Garland, Milton Berle, Bob Hope, Lucille Ball, everybody. If you were famous in Hollywood at that time, 40s, early 50s, you'd be performing in this big old show. Yeah, they'd get a stadium, you know, the biggest things they could do. There were songs that were written about Hattacall, just like Jake, you know, the Hattacall boogie. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves that Hattacall. There was a comic book. Captain Hattacall nice. about a young man wow. who drinks Hattacall and suddenly becomes a superhero. <laughs> and they're just vitamin B. Yeah, well, it's not just vitamin B. There's there's vitamin B and then there's a bunch of alcohol. <laughs> there was yeah. about twelve percent alcohol. So, just one box one box top for kids. Uh just <laughs> like, yeah, just exactly. For- this was post prohibition, but there were still a lot of dry counties in the south sure. where you couldn't get booze. And sure. so they loved Hattacall. They had testimonial letters from parents in this comic book telling saying like how they gave Hattacall to their kids and their kids now feel great. No duh. <laughs> and and they, it says, like, kids, show these letters to your parents. So you'd show the letter to the parents so the parents would get convinced shameless. that they had to. Absolutely shameless. And this, I mean, this also fell victim to the U.S. government coming in and saying, yeah, you well, cannot. Good. You're making all these claims about what this thing does. Because by now it's the 50s. And they're like, you cannot make all of these claims. It doesn't do any of this. It's just B vitamins and and booze, you know? <laughs> uh, but my favorite, favorite part of this insane story is the name Hattacall, which there's there's an explanation for how it got its name, and it's not that interesting. But whenever they asked Senator Dudley J. LeBlanc why it got that name, he would say, and I love him for this, <laughs> well, I had to call it something. Uh, 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 <laughs> I thought at first it was like Haddock, like the fish. Oh, oh like Haddock Hall? H A D A C O L. Uh, like alcohol from the haddock fish mm, fish a hall <laughs> <laughs> did you see the thing the elixir that people used to give to kids they had a picture of a fairy just pouring it into a baby <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, like it says that you don't know how much to give to anybody <laughs> no no concept of a dosage no <laughs> send your baby off to fairyland <laughs> this is Winslow's soothing syrup, <laughs> and it's just like she's not a fairy, but kind of looks like it a looks fairy. Like she just poured it in there. Over yeah. The yeah. Now, what's in soothing syrup? Morphine sulfate, chloroform, morphine, <laughs> codeine, heroin, <laughs> codeine and heroin, <laughs> powdered should, opium, cannabis indica, and combinations of these. Morphine cannabis. <laughs> Sounds like a party in a bottle. I know. Oh my god! <laughs> Kick back with that and some Jake. What is it? Yeah, <laughs> soothing syrup and Jake. This I got is Winslow's a, soothing a syrup. <laughs> Be soothed for weeks. All right, let's take a quick break. A word from our sponsor. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So if I have one takeaway from that segment, it's don't drink mercury. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely oh, not. I talked about it before. We have talked about it before. Yeah, but I mean, it's important enough to hit over and over yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, public service announcement. We've specifically talked about it before, Karen. We talked about uh, Emperor of China, Qin Shi Huang, yes. right? And he was uh, emperor from 259 to 210 BC. And he was, he was kind of a big deal. He was sort of the first emperor that really kind of unified all of China. And what's funny to me... Uh, about him is we've talked how he died before. So let's just cut to the end very quickly. He died by ingesting mercury as part of a way of finding an elixir of life. You know, mm-hmm. this was just an obsession of his was I, you know, I want to be immortal. I want to see my <laughs> my rule never end. The irony is that over the course of his rule, he survived a lot of assassination attempts and coups. And what brought him down was his own doctors and his own alchemists yep. and his own oh. uh, physicians. Irony. Irony. Mercury. Mercury. <laughs> I was reading a little bit more about his story about specifically the circumstances of his death. He was out away from court when he actually died. He was out and he took some mercury pills that his team of physicians had prepared for him. Took the mercury pills, got gravely ill, and died <laughs> in no short order. And Very anticlimactic. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh crap, he died. Oops. So now what happened next was a weekend at Bernie's level of oh, no. farce to cover oh. up the dead emperor. So now as I said, he had survived a lot of assassination attacks attempts and you know he was a unifier there were a lot of people who would have been seeking to take his place as soon as they found out that he was dead so i mentioned they were on the road they were away from the seat of power so all of his advisors you know and his right-hand men they didn't want word to get out that the emperor had died because they were afraid of what was going to happen in this power vacuum so they continued their tour out in the countryside so you know they're carrying the emperor in the little box you know with the servants they would dress him up in new clothes. They would prop him up so that you could sort of look through the window and see that there was somebody in the carriage. But they wouldn't let you get too close. No. And no one could. I mean... Nobody except the most trusted advisors, right? Because as they're traveling through villages... It wasn't out of the ordinary. Right, that's true. Yeah, it's not like commoners in in a village are running up to the carriage. Yeah, Uh, high-fiving. But so, I mean, this is in the middle of summer. He died. (laughs) They're traveling around and it started to smell really bad. Bet it did. Really bad. So this is the solution they came up with as they're traveling around... Dryer sheets. They apparently, yeah, they they wrapped him in dryer sheets. They apparently, the account goes, they got a cart full of rotting fish. Two carts. Two carts full of rotting fish. And had one cart ahead of the emperor's carriage. One cart behind the emperor's carriage to, uh, you know, do their best to mask the odor of decay. No, because if you, no, because then if you saw, you would see the carts of rotting fish. 
And you'd be like, oh, well, that's just the rotting fish. Yeah. But no one yeah. would question why Why is he sandwiched by two carts of rotting fish. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's the emperor, man. The emperor's yeah, limbs. Yeah. Do whatever his, he wants. brown M&Ms. They would bring meals up to his ca- up oh, to his carriage yeah. and, you know, take away plates and things like that. So that yep. even people in the in the retinue wouldn't necessarily catch on. <laughs> oh, they would oh They would stage fake meetings, yep. you know, where the advisors would come up and pretend to be talking with him and, yeah. you know, go away afterward. This went on for two months what that is so long (laughs) until they got back to a seat of power where they felt comfortable enough to kind of announce okay yes yeah the emperor died uh i don't know if they said that it was their fault for giving him mercury or not uh i think they can trace it back then yeah yeah, that's right yeah you know i'm sure yeah well also they didn't know it was harmful they thought it was going to help him they thought he died and also he's been ingesting mercury all this time too like he it wasn't just those two pills made him die during his reign while he was alive he would take a lot of mercury and it just builds up and i mean it was it was just totally magical and mystical and i can believe it i mean it's metal it's liquid at room temperature maybe i'll drink it and live forever i I think that's why we have to keep reiterating you're not supposed to drink it because it's so pretty and you want to put it in your mouth yeah you want to and you know if the emperor tells you he wants to drink it you're gonna let him drink it right All right. Well, my research, I kind of took a different angle. Uh, We're going to talk about some movie and TV stuff. Um, I was originally going to do a TV doctor or movie doctor quiz, uh, but I found this instead and I thought it was really interesting. So I'm going to ask you guys a few quiz questions. Uh, Have your buzzers ready. They're not a lot. And there there is a theme and and we can talk about that because it is a fascinating industry. Okay. So here's first question. All right. What actress uttered the line... Why, you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder. <laughs> Everybody. Uh, Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher. Okay, yes, right. Carrie Fisher as uh, Princess Leia. Yes. Good job. All right. Second question. What famous movie director has dated Kathy Griffin, comedian, uh, another comedian, Margaret Cho, and actress Mira Sorvino? Wow. Actually, Margaret Cho wrote about him in her book a lot. I'll guess Woody Allen. (laughs) No. No. Quentin Tarantino? Yes. Quentin Tarantino. Not no, he dated Kathy Griffin. That's crazy. I cannot even picture what they would do on a date. Very talkative. They would just talk (laughs) That's true. You're right. Two kind of redheaded people just yapping about. (laughs) All right. What famous TV show creator had lead characters Malcolm Reynolds, Echo, and Cordelia Chase featured in his shows. Dana. Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon. Correct. Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly. Oh, yes. Yes. Mal. Echo from Dollhouse and Cordelia Chase from Buffy, Buffy and Angel. And Angel, yes. All right. Last question. Another TV show creator, his TV shows took place in a sketch comedy studio and in the White House and in a oh. newsroom. <laughs> Aaron Sorkin. Yes, Aaron Sorkin. So we have Aaron Sorkin, Quinn Tarantino, Carrie Fisher, mm. and Joss Whedon. Oh. They have all been script doctors ah. for a very long time. Actually, Carrie Fisher is the, the big surprise one. I didn't oh, yeah? know that. Mm-hmm. What is a script doctor? Scr- oh, I'm so happy you asked. <laughs> uh, script doctors are uh, script consultants who help polish or finish up or tighten up maybe dialogue for an already greenlit or or written script. 
that they just needed right, a right. little bit of polish. However, punch it up a little. A lot of their work is uncredited because they don't really change that much of it. They're mm-hmm. not necessarily rewriting mm-hmm. scripts, but in the Writers Guild of America for like screenwriting, there's a really complicated crediting process. Oh yeah, yeah. So you can't, you know, just because you wrote a line, it's not like your name's going to be in the credits. Like uh, I, according to the rule, a screenwriter has to contribute more than fifty percent of the original screenplay or thirty three percent of adaptation. So if it was from okay. a book or from some somewhere else that they would actually get their name onto the credit. Right. So a lot of these people, you know, as they're working, hustling, trying to become a successful script writer or whatnot or director, they pick up a lot of freelance gigs, I guess, as script consultants, but they're all kind of secretive mm-hmm. and no one knows. They only kind of show up maybe after these people become famous and they're, they mention it in interviews. So here's a rundown of the things that they've actually worked on. Aaron Sorkin, obviously famous for, well, currently in the newsroom on HBO, sure. but like there's a few a good West men Wing. and West Wing. West Wing, definitely. And Social Network, which he won an Academy Award for. So mm-hmm. he actually script doctored Schindler's List, hmm. The Rock, hmm. doing some polish. Get that and, rapid fire dialogue down. Mm-hmm. And Joss Whedon has done so much script doctoring. Now he's famous for like, oh, Mr. Avengers, Mr. Cabin in the Woods, you know, Mr. Buffy. But before as he's, he's working in, in Hollywood, he did a lot of punching up scripts. Such as Speed, mm. starring our favorite Keanu Reeves. <laughs> nice. He actually worked on Waterworld, which is a, <laughs> wow. a weird one. <laughs> I think I had read that, yeah. Mm-hmm. There, were, there were like 30 people who worked yeah, on that. Yeah, I'm sure there were a lot of people. <laughs> Quinn Tarantino spruced up It's Pat. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard that. Isn't yes. that crazy? <laughs> yep. It's Pat was, for those of you uh, who mm-hmm. either don't remember or was born afterwards, <laughs> was a movie inspired by the Saturday Night Live character Pat, who is androgynous. Right. But anyway, somehow <laughs> a movie was made. And Quentin Tarantino uh, did some script polishing. I, I think it, like that's a good example, too, where maybe some of these are, they don't necessarily want their name attached to these movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but also, they're working up the ladder. That's you true. Know? That's yeah. true. You got to start somewhere. You gotta, yeah. mm-hmm. Some, someone's got to write It's Pat. But Carrie Fisher. I did, like, yeah. I yeah. No what has she worked on? Like, good, big hits. Hook. Remember oh, yeah. Hook? Yeah. Yes. She worked on Hook. She also worked on Sister Act, another big hit. Crazy. And The Wedding Singer, ah, starring Adam Sandler. You know, I just read the other day that M. Night Shyamalan said he ghost wrote, or he did oh, like, the script yeah. polish, that, on She's All That. Yes. And that was the same year he or did he Sixth said Sense. He, he said he ghost wrote it. He said which he is, ghost wrote it, but yeah, he has a polish right. credit on it. She's All That was good. That was a good movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. She's All That So there you go. I think for me, the draw is it's secretive. You know, people don't really talk about it until maybe they've made it, mm-hmm. or, or it was mentioned in an interview. If you are a script doctor, Dear listener, send us some factoids. Yeah. That'd be awesome. So there was something I almost talked about on our episode on Creepy Crawlies several episodes back. <laughs> yes. uh, and I decided to shelve that for a future conversation, which is now today. Oh, uh, how fortunate. And that uh-huh. Creepy Crawly is leeches. Oh, yes. very 
creepy and very just colored. everything about it the way they look uh, the way they kind of slither yeah. around i've never touched one but i imagine the way they touch would creep me out and of course the fact that they suck the blood out of your body yeah. right now they Rain actually slugs. do now you're, you're probably you might mention that they there are there are some like actual good medicinal applications yeah well you know i want to talk about the history here yeah so i want to talk specifically about bloodletting just in okay. general you know i mean leeches were uh a tool in the blood letter uh, toolkit. Um, but, you know, going back in terms of just the craziest bad medicine and bad uh, treatments, I can think of trepanation, trepanning, yeah. which is... Oh, yeah. Drilling a hole in your head. Yeah. Right? So the bad spirits will fly out? Sure. Bad spirits, evil humors, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Brain. Brain. And then bloodletting as yeah. well, which goes, I mean, way back to ancient times. Mm. I mean, and I always think when we talk about bad medicine, it's always a red flag for me if something is described as a cure for virtually everything. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's you open up a vein, cut a hole, and let some blood out until you've reached whatever the prescribed amount of blood to be lost is. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's not like the blood is bad. Like, well, or, I, or you have bad blood, therefore you are ill. Well, so, you know, I mean, there's like the theory of the four humors, right? Of, yeah. you know, that everything, every ill in the body is a result of the imbalance of blood, phlegm, black bile, uh, yes. or yellow bile. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if you had too much blood and out of balance, you would release some blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wow. The range of things, this is going back again to ancient ancient Egyptians. I mean, everything could be cured by bloodletting. Headaches, indigestion, hemorrhoids, gout, <laughs> acne, I mean, <laughs> listlessness, hyperactivity. I mean, the list of things that you could prescribe bloodletting for <laughs> is it? <laughs> Both listlessness and hyperactivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, it centers you. It centers <laughs> you. And yeah, as I say, I mean, you know, separate from knives or needles, uh, leeches were a great tool for bloodletting because, you know, you could put them on and they work <laughs> fairly fast. You know, if you put a leech on on, it'll suck uh, easily its weight in blood. Uh, and it can't suck anymore because then it's too full. Uh, they do reach a point where they are satiated and full of blood. <laughs> Every few hundred years, there would kind of be a resurgence in the leech fad and phenomenon. It leech really... Beat magazine. <laughs> <laughs> leech beat. There was a huge resurgence in leeching as a therapeutic or medicinal treatment in the 19th century, particularly in Europe. There were reports of millions of leeches being imported specifically for the purpose. From where? Leaching treatments. Oh, hey, you know, the leaching centers of the world, Karen. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Leachington or whatever, like as you were saying. Oh, Leachenstein. Yeah. Oh, that's where it comes from. Yeah, Leachenstein. Uh, I like that. And there is no really good evidence that leaching cures headaches or indigestion or gout or scurvy or hemorrhoids or any of these things that they claimed it would. And leaching did sort of really fall out of favor uh, oh. after, after the 19th century, at least in the way that I was describing it, as a yes. way of bloodletting and releasing bad blood or toxins in the system. And Chris, you were, I think, you know, maybe getting at this at the top of the segment, which is in starting around in the 1980s, when they really got to what? advancements in surgery, yes. particularly what they call microsurgeries, uh, which is surgeries like down at the, the vein and capillary level and reattachment surgeries. Mm. You know, someone has a hand severed in an industrial mm. accident. They got to the point where, you know, I mean, once upon a time, you lose in a hand industrial accident. Well, you got a hook now for the rest of your life. Yeah. But it got to the point where it was like, no, we, we can reattach that hand if we keep it viable. They discovered that one of the one of the real pitfalls of these kind of surgeries was immediately after the surgery, you need to keep the tissue oxygenated with fresh blood. You need to make sure that none of the tissue dies or is rejected by the body or clots up and can lead to all kinds of complications. And what doctors and surgeons discovered was if you attach leeches on the attached or reattached surgery, and here's the thing about leeches. 
when leeches kind of settle in for a meal and they're going to suck your blood, they secrete a natural anticoagulant uh-huh. to to sort of liquefy the blood, make it easier for them <laughs> to, to grease, suck To up. grease the wheels yeah. of <laughs> industry and <laughs> commerce. Yeah. yeah. They discovered that what you could do is attach this to reattach surgery and it would keep the blood from clotting. It would keep the blood uh-huh. liquid, keep it flowing through, and it would keep it alive and healthy enough that your body or the person uh-huh. who undergone the surgery could sort of take over the rest from there. So, okay, okay. okay, this is what I'm picturing in my head. Uh-huh. So if my hand gets cut off yeah. on my arm stump, just on the <laughs> end, a whole bunch of leeches just there. Like, no, no, no. no. They, hopefully it's a nice clean cut. You've got a friend who can like put the hand on ice or something. Mm-hmm. They would reattach it for you. And then immediately after, or when you're ready, they would put the leeches on the reattached part of your hand to basically yeah. bring the blood f- through fresh from the healthy got part it, of your got body. It, got it, got it. So like a leech bracelet on the cut. <laughs> <laughs> And aside from that, the sessions sound very similar to an old-fashioned 1800s leeching. You know, they'll put the leeches on. It sounds like a leeching session, as I say, anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour, a couple hours. And Mm. I learned also in the course of researching this, there's the difference between good leeches and bad leeches. So there are some leeches that all they're interested in is eating the blood, or sorry, in sucking the blood. And when they reach their fill, they kind of stop. And then they'll either pop off on their own or you can pry them off. Mm. Bad leeches will eat not just blood, but tissue. And oh. so there are cases all through history of blood letters using bad leeches oh. instead of I, the good leeches. Are, are bad leeches and good leeches just differentiate by species or is yeah. it on a one-by-one yeah. one basis? psychologically. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's by type of leech. And yeah, and if you're getting your hand reattached in a uh, hospital, you can rest assured they're using yeah, the, my the fashionable good leech leeches. Bracelet. <laughs> but the leeches can be used over and over again. It's yeah, a great thing. and yeah. they love it. Yeah, once they're hungry again, just put them back on a new reattached hand. <laughs> um, and I would like to say, I know what you're all thinking, and I, I did just confirm on the internet that yes, John Wayne Bobbitt did in fact use leeches to help oh. in the reattachment of, of his, his penis. Of yes. his of his penis. No, are you kidding? Because no. sometimes no. I can't no. tell. Yeah. No, 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 I'm serious. No, he did. This is that's a textbook case of where you would use the leeches. Yep. Right on Keep the blood right flow. on your junk. Oh, <laughs> my God. He was, and I'm sure he was happy they were there. Whoa. Mm-hmm. So I think after the show, we uh, you guys up for some bloodletting? Yeah, let's go, do it. Yeah. Bloodletting right. party. Yeah, 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 yeah. And go to the lake and depart. Right. <laughs> oh. Go to Leech in the Box. Two Leech Tacos for 99 cents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Well, that was a lot of bad medicine talk. And it was good bad medicine talk. Good, Yeah. yeah. Good bad medicine. Circle back to the dog mafia. The dog father. It's like, not oh, that dog father. Dog father. But I had to say it. That's the best one. Right. Okay. I'm glad we finally got to that okay, at some point. Just put a period on it. If you guys come up with a better one, let us know. We like puns. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's triviality.
And to end our show, we have one non-topic quiz segment. Colin, you've prepared for us, right? I have. I have a quiz for you guys called X-Ray Yankee Zulu. Oh, okay. Which you may recognize are the uh, phonetic alphabet military codes for X, Y, Z. Oh. Yeah, that's a fun one, too. This is good. So every answer in this quiz will start with a letter X, Y, or Z. Oh, wow. Okay. It's sort of my favorite. Just a little bit of grab bag general trivia here. All right. So right no, off wait, the bat. Wait, hold on. What's X, Y, and Z in the military codenames again? X-Ray, mm-hmm. Yankee, Zulu. Zulu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the NATO alphabet, but uh, it's kind of tweaked country to country. So that's U.S. Army. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This well-known American company takes its name from Greek roots, meaning dry writing. Chris. Xerox. Correct. Oh. Yes. They, I was thinking graph, something uh, graph. They made up a word. They made up the word xerography. So it's, <laughs> it's a modern word. Right. Yes. Dry writing. Singer Freddie Mercury, famously of Queen, mm-hmm. was born in this country, which has since been renamed. Karen. Zanzibar. Yes, he was born in Zanzibar, oh, yes. which is now, or the part that he was born in is now Tanzania. Tanzania. Born in Zanzibar was a British protectorate. I did not know that. This C.D. Payne novel from 1993 tells the story of 14-year-old Nick Twisp. Whoa. It was made into a movie starring Michael Sarah a few years ago. Oh. Karen? Young... No. Youth Revolt. Youth in Revolt. Yes, yes. Youth oh, in yeah. Revolt. Yes. Yeah, I got there somewhere. Yeah. Set right here in the Bay Area. Yeah. This writer was one of the leaders of the French naturalist movement, and in 1898 famously wrote the J'accuse letter. Oh, is that from... Where's J'accuse? Oh... Remember the category. Xavier yeah. <laughs> Yves. We'll go for his last name. I'm looking for his last oh. name. Oh. I have no idea. Yeah. Emil Zardoz. Zola. Zola. Oh, yes. This noble gas, recognizable by its distinctive blue glow when stimulated, found a popular use in headlamps for cars. And... Uh, Karen. Xenon. Xenon. With yes. an X. With, with an X. Not a Z. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with Xena, the warrior princess. <laughs> This fictional outlaw is named after the Spanish word for fox. Oh. Dana. Zorro? Zorro. Oh. Absolutely right. And he's kind of foxy, crafty. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. no. If I were to attribute Zorro to an animal, it would be a fox. Or, or a raccoon. black. Yeah. Yeah. It's something hmm. with a mask. Yeah. Anyways. Masky. All right. Last one. We'll close it out here. Established in 1872. This is not just the first national park in the U.S., Oh. But is considered the first national park in the world. <laughs> Yosemite. Oh, no. Yellowstone. Zion. Z- whoa, hey, whoa. We got a lot of uh, answers on the table. I think Chris was in first. I said, I, I said Yosemite. Yosemite. Incorrect. Okay. Zion. Incorrect. Now Yellowstone. Correct. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was hoping to throw you guys off there. That was good. Um, there you go. Wait, so what was the right answer? There was so many Yellowstone. Answers. Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Jellystone. Not, not, not Jellystone. Not Jellystone. It starts with a J. Yeah, Yellowstone National Park. But Pro- with a Spanish accent. Oh, Ye- yeah. Yellowstone. 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 All right. Oh, that was pretty hard, actually. Yeah, hard. I thought it was going to be a quiz about the, the names for the letters. Yeah. That's a fun separate quiz. Yeah, yeah. We, should, we should work on that. Because that actually does come up. We have had that. We have. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I've had yeah. Like, what's the code for H? Or, 
yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, I only know Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Right. I know from Dollhouse. Yes, you probably know more than you know. You Victor, know Alpha, Bravo, no, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's our show, everybody. Thank you guys for joining me, and thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learn a lot about snake oil and about <laughs> mixing vitamin Bs with alcohol to give it to children, uh, script doctors, and uh, the very now uh, nice leeches. I would say they'd be nice now. Yeah. And you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and also on our website, which is goodjobbrain.com. And check us out on Twitter and Facebook as well. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. 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 Don't drink the mercury. No. <laughs> so pretty. It's all trivia nerds Brittany here and i host the family road trip trivia podcast with my best friend meredith is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest (laughs) we've got the cure three rounds of awesome trivia every week harry potter disney science sports you name it no more silent car troubles the family road trip trivia podcast connect laugh and learn with your kids big and small New episodes every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast.